It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 810. Happy Monday, Gronks. What's happening? What's going on? How are you feeling, TJ? With the um, So yesterday we did the show before there were the announcements in Victoria. How are you feeling post-announcement? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, what, one thing I've sort of... I wanted. I was at walking yesterday or Saturday afternoon. Went for a beautiful walk, just an hour. Mm-hmm. That's the rules. Um, it was Within lovely though. After, afternoon sun. It was one of the best weekends I reckon weather-wise we've mm-hmm. had in in four months. It's beautiful. And um, I really wanted to go and take a photo um, because there's like I, I walk along the highway, but there's a, like a big wall that sort of is a sound barricade between the houses and the highway. And I, you can see just over the wall, there's one of these signs that it's a digital sign that they give updates for people driving on the highway. And and I and I just thought that sort of the picture of, I was thinking about, think to the future, mm-hmm. 40 years from now, a yeah. photo of a sign that says, um, st- uh, you know, get Have tested, you had your stay COVID home. Test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, get tested, stay home. I thought mm-hmm. it's like, it's like that would be like, that would be iconic, like thinking back. The chain, the the signs have since changed, so I can't mm-hmm. get the photo that I wanted. But the new sign says, "Curfew has or something like uh, 8 p.m. curfew," mm-hmm. which is the new rule that's come in. 8 p.m. You got to be in your house. There's no one out, and they've locked it down because stage four restrictions have been put into place in Victoria. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, not much has changed. We've been home, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, it reminds me that the sign thing reminds me of when I was when the first wave happened, and we went into lockdown. I did alone outside, which was a series I did on Instagram, and I woke yeah. up early every morning, and I took photos, and it was that balance of I wanted to capture people outside on their own. Yeah, that's the yeah. one of the main things. But then it was very tempting to have the shots of the playgrounds with all of the rope around mm. them and, and things like that. It does feel yeah. like when you're in it, it does feel like we'll look back. It, it almost feels a little bit like 9-11. Remember when 9-11 happened yeah. and it's like this yeah. is a moment that's changed the world forever? Do you get that sense? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, definitely. The, but the photos won't feel like that for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you'd really sort of know. And so, if you, if you, it's like the person I'm so impressed that takes a photo of themselves every day for 10 years. I mean, that's just a narcissist, but yeah, yeah. the ones that do it for um, doing the far, you know, the stop motion where they're growing, they're like mm-hmm. evolving, their face is changing. It's like that's, that's for seeing something in the future. So, I mean, that's why Google Photos now, I've just got thousands in there. Hopefully, I'll be able to look back in 10, 15 years, be like, oh, wow, remember that time? So, it's a, in some time? ways, it's a very interesting social experiment. Mm. It does remind me a little bit of the Netflix documentary that we watched, uh, Three Identical Strangers. Oh, now, I don't know if... A, the problem is that I don't know if you can talk about it without revealing a bunch of spoilers. No, you actually can't. It's... You just have to watch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in the title, obviously, Three Identical Strangers. It's a, you know, I mean, you watch the trailer. Do you know, I, I have a pet peeve, dude. Mm-hmm. Netflix, mm-hmm. you know how there's the, they've got trailers? They're not the trailers that were made for the movies, as in for when a, a film was released in the cinema. It can sometimes be like a trailer that sort of just, I don't know, they must have cut it together. Just like a scene, just like a couple of but, scenes chucked together. 
I watched this trailer and I was like, sorry, I don't need to watch the film anymore because you just fucking gave me the whole thing in two minutes. Yeah, it's annoying. Like legit play by play. Mm. And then you watch it like, yeah, I knew that. I hate that shit. I hate trailers. I mean, the um, I like premise. I like the pre- like yeah. understanding the premise of something. Someone's been taken. They're trying to find that person. Whatever. But You're not describing just taken? every. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, very no, easy. Yeah. Yeah. Key got taken. Guy went after them. Mm-hmm. Killed everyone. That's that the, makes sense. that's makes all sense. you need to know. And if you love those things, love it. And so um, but, I um, watched uh, I watched Big over the weekend, uh, which wasn't on Netflix. We're getting into the. Um, We've gone into the ISO period where we're like, fuck, we actually need to um, look beyond Stan, beyond Netflix, beyond all of that other stuff and just <laughs> treat yourself. Even though you're paying fucking a lot in subscriptions, you still manage to think about the movie that you want to watch that's not yeah. part of any of them. I mean, there's plenty. You were watching Big, Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. I said, you got to watch um, Sleepless in Seattle. Real mm-hmm. tearjerker, but sort of makes you feel good as well. Sort of love story. But these are some old... Cl- these are 32-year-old... Big was made in 88. Really? Well, the That's, thing with... Like, yeah, Big, it's birthday, a fucked yeah. up film, don't you think? I I haven't seen Big. I've seen Slips okay. in Seattle. Well, so there's like a, a relationship... like a classic. She, she essentially... Um, there's a relationship that goes on and they're making out and she doesn't know that it's the boy, like the, the fucking 13-year-old boy <laughs> who's grown up. It's a bit, it's a bit perverted. Oh. But anyway, um, yeah. Yes, yesterday, one one sort of site that sort of is quite startling is going to something like a, a Shopo, Doncaster Shopping Centre. Mm-hmm. Huge, one of the biggest in Melbourne. And you see this absolutely, it's like there's fuck all people there. There's really? Nothing, I was expecting there would Sunday be Arbor. big lines or whatever, people preparing, yeah, yeah, getting the, their at black the superma- at, at, the, at the supermarket, mm-hmm. but supermarkets are busy in general. But just seeing the dormant... Uh, fucking nothing there. The Apple store, they've removed every product off the shelves. And so it's really? like a store full of tables and they've literally dismantled all of the phones that were on display. Like they haven't just left it all out. Do you know how um, much those tables cost? The tables at the Apple stores? Yeah. I don't know. They're big bits. Of, they're big pieces. Have a they're guess. fucking ginormous. I mean, if I was just to throw a number, I can like 4K a table. No. You could easily spend 4K on a big table. No, you've you've underbaked it. Um, underbaked it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How much are they? They're custom made in Canada, and uh, from a special wood, and they cost ten grand a piece. Ten so, grand a pop. Yeah. And so I reckon there's three, six, nine, twelve. I reckon there's fifteen tables in the one at Doncaster. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lot of hundred and fifty, hundred and fifty k of tables. I mean, they are the the. The, the most wealthy company. Hang on, I, actually, this is—it's a fun thing because now, fuck, depends who you're, um, who you're reading. Because now I'm reading another one that says uh, eighty thousand dollars. So this is on uh, Reddit, and we know only good things, legit info comes from Reddit. Um, yep. So the cement bricks that outlined the stores are handcrafted from Germany. Each wooden table. The ones for Genius Bar and iPhone, Apple Watch, iPad now cost eighty thousand per table. Oh, I, I thought geez. it was. I'd heard thirty grand. They're crazy yep. though because they've got all these like um, special features of like being able to um, like they've got a cash register built into some of them. Have you seen that? Where yeah, it's like yeah, the Genius Bar at the back for sure. Yeah, yeah. like there is. It's a big impressive. table. Big table. 
Yeah, wow. So anyway, I went to yesterday. I mean, we're all trying to save a few bucks. Mm-hmm. We've all sort of taken a hit to the hip pocket in terms of, you know, work and revenue and mm-hmm. uh, wages. And so I thought, ah, oh, you know, $15 haircut for Bodie, I can do it myself. Great. I can do it myself. And I've can. got like a shaver. It's not the it's not the beard trimmer that you used on your head that then mm-hmm. you fucked and sure. had to go get a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a legit, but it's old. It's a legit head shaver, and so I use it for my beard because my beard is the thickness of someone's hair on their head. <laughs> That's what I need to sort of attack. So my does it beard have with. the little um, the bottles of oil? Because I never know what to actually do with those little oil bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the bottles of oil, and you're just meant to like. When it's off, just run it once across across the blade and then turn it on and it just lubes up the blades. Really? Anyway, I got Bodhi downstairs, got him onto his little little chair and we put like a little cute sort of throw over him so it looked like he was at the, at the barber shop mm-hmm. and I got stuck into it. He lost his shit and so I had to give him my phone, which meant he was like had his my phone in his hand with his head looking down. So it's not ideal. <laughs> yeah. It's like you want a, a barber or a hairdresser wants you to look at yourself in the mm-hmm. mirror so you got that nice, you know, they're Symmetrical. getting the sort of s- symmetry. They're trying mm-hmm. to sort of cut it all properly. I got into it and I regretted it as I shaved one side of his head off. Head uh-huh. off. So it's like he literally just had like one side was a... a a two and it sort of blended back into a mullet at the back. I mean, this and is so- not too dissimilar to what happened with me, is it? So do you have a little bit more empathy for what happened? Like you're trying to do the right thing. You don't want to have to go to the hairdresser. Well, I, I, I committed. And so I had to keep going. I had the scissors. I had everything going and I ended up getting as far as shaving the back, the sides and trying to do a little bit of a, you know, trying to sort of trim Fade. the top. <laughs> I got to got to avoid. It he looks like an absolute goose. And so, what have you done? Have you so, buzz cut it? Hence, why we went to Doncaster Shopping Centre to go to Just Cuts to get oh, it no. fixed up. Oh, how <laughs> so, much do they at least give you a deal? Surely you've done half the work. I mean, it cost twenty two bucks in there. Oh, really? Yeah, so annoying. Bucks. Were you pissed and, off though at the time? Oh, I felt. I felt, uh, you're I felt insecure. <laughs> you know, like I just, I really could. I, was I really he wearing a hat or a beanie or something going to the no, shop? No, this is the thing. You can't just, me, I just would have whacked a hat on yeah. for six months. Yeah. <laughs> he is a child that didn't give a shit about his hair in the first place. Literally was mm-hmm. more interested in the phone and what that had to offer than what I was doing to his head. And so, I felt funny for him. But then I was like, this kid doesn't even feel anything. Yeah. yeah. How, how funny is it that we totally identify with what our hair looks like mm-hmm. and it's part of our fucking identity. For you, you I mean, it's shit. very much a jacket identity thing, right? You've got great hair. Well, when people tell you you have amazing hair, you walk yeah, into an office. I, walk, <laughs> I walked into the Bastion who we had, uh, mm-hmm. Fergus Watts, who's CEO of Bastion. I was up in Sydney at the head office of Bastion, walked in with Jack, his brother, who's, you know, on you know one of the owners and he's like... Tommy Jacket, best hair in the business. Welcome. I mean, that does a lot to your yeah, fucking yeah, ego. <laughs> anyway, we um, the lady said to me, she said, "Oh, not bad. Good try. Good try. Not but bad, um, I'm bad. glad you've come in to let us fix it up." And so he walked out. He walked out. 
He walked in as an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. He walked out as a 15 out of 10. That kid oh, is an absolute... <laughs> he looks so good. The sharpest haircut in Bulleen. They so, even you didn't like, fuck it enough. Like, so, that you left enough for them to be able to fix it. I, Yeah. I mean, what they gave him was what I was trying to do, but I got it. I basically say that I am the guy who dug the hole for the pool and mm-hmm. then the pool builders came and installed the pool. Yeah, you loosen the jar. Are, <laughs> yeah, I loosen the jar. <laughs> but um, no, he's, he's happy as Larry and he's looking a million bucks. Oh, that's good. Uh, on, um, I was thinking about experiments... Uh, so, you know, if you watch this uh, three identical uh, strangers, you, you'll, you'll think about, ex- you know, experiments and things like that. Yeah. And yeah. then also everything that's happening at the moment with vaccines, people um, going into, into trials with these things. I uh, read a book uh, called uh, Rebel Without a Crew. And um, mm. uh, it's about a, f- a filmmaker and what he does to try and get his films made. And he was... Uh, it, it's Rodriguez, the the director, and he was um, yeah. talking about doing all of these medical things like trials to make cash, so he could use that money to make films. Um, oh yeah! And so what I'm so I've like, never like, done it before. Back in the well, back there is like, do you want to be a part of this study? You can mm-hmm. be paid to. And I, yeah, I've always thought, fuck, it, who are they relying on? Desperate uni students that. Mm-hmm have no time to work but could sort of dedicate four hours on a Saturday to be injected. I don't know what... I don't know personally anyone who's done clinical mm. trials of anything. But there's a it bunch of people bizarre. who, like, that's their shtick. They just go from we, clinical trial to clinical yeah. trial. Apparently, we there's ones around, like, um, sleeping. Like, if there's a bit of sleep deprivation involved. Mm. I remember hearing one where it's like, you have to sleep at a university... And then they wake you up every half an hour or whatever, and that's obviously you get more cash for that. <laughs> How many times you get woken up, you get cash? Yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> like, it's interesting. Like, I wonder what would you, what would you do from a medical trial perspective for a bit of cash, yeah. mate? Not much, really? not much, not at desperate all. enough. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. So what? So the the people we deem as desperate mm-hmm. that help. Uh, pave the way for technology and and medi- medical research. Like, shout heroes. out to rats. Like, <laughs> shout Demise. out to rats. I mean, this is why Mice? they Mice do it. Close but, the rats, aren't they? Well, you bring it to the first COVID nineteen trials. Like mm-hmm. these are already underway. There is thousands of people being injected with something. Mm-hmm. How do you like? You could say that the people that are desperate that need something are, are willing to take it, but there's also people that aren't mm-hmm. desperate and they still do it. I mean, absolute hero. That they don't. These people don't get enough. There should be some sort of like page where it's like things that have really sort of come off, mm-hmm. like heroes. They get awards. They get I wonder awards ones that have gone bad. How many people have died <laughs> through clinical testing deaths uh, oh, due to clinical? Do you reckon? Surely, well, like from yeah. an ethical perspective, they can't, they they're only trialing. Eighty-eight clinical trial volunteers died in four years. Um, <laughs> here you go. Uh, at least a thousand people who took took part in uh, clinical trials over the past four years. At least a thousand people who took part in the clinical trial over the past four years have died, and eighty-eight mm. of these deaths were caused by direct side effects of trials. Ooh. The health ministry told the... I don't even know where this is. Rashabar 
last week. So this must be just trying to say where whereabouts in Mumbai. Okay. So it was in India. Uh, I mean, that's pretty. Uh, anything that has a death rate to it is is a bit fucked. But I mean, these people are putting themselves forward mm-hmm. to hopefully have change. And I mean, wouldn't you be like? Well, they just are they just desperate for cash. Partner, De- yeah, so desperate for cash is one mm-hmm. thing, but then I guess if you're only if there's money involved, I don't think. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe they're not all going. This could help change the world. This is mm-hmm. like I need to eat. That's it's sad, isn't it? I mean, th- mm-hmm. I I always think about the mindset you'd need to want to go to war, and mm-hmm. you see people with families that decide to go over and serve. One side you've got. I mean, this is helping our country. These are the people that are protecting us, all of that. The other side, you've got a family and your wife, your husband, is just stressed out of their mind mm-hmm. always. I Personally, like I fall into the category of absolutely not. I couldn't do it to myself and my family. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that the people that do it are selfish or anything. anything. It's like... They well, have the personal sacrifice different. stuff, right? Like that's what, like I think yeah. that the service men and women in the US, it's a big thing. Like it's mm. a, which which I think makes makes sense. I think that for me, yeah, like it, it's a hard one to reconcile, but I guess like someone has to do it, right? Like we do need yeah. people to be able to do this sort of stuff. Like what would it look like if we're all like, we're not going to have any military of course, and then it is, so it a, is belief a massive system. sacrifice. Yeah, it's a belief system though that mm-hmm. has to be different to someone like me. Like, mm-hmm. you know how you hear people? Okay, I've seen people just sort of talking about this before. It's like, no, it was their calling. They felt they needed to do it. It's like all of this stuff is your mind and your belief system in play. Whereas, maybe part of it is that you are. Um the likelihood of dying in combat or whatever is low. Maybe that's part of it. So it's like if you knew that if if you knew that you were going to die serving your country, I wonder what the likelihood like so if you're going like kamikaze or whatever it was, where it's like your job is to fucking die, like what the um the rate of, you know, people signing up would be. Sign ups. But I mean people are still signing up. Mm. I've had a bunch of mates in the military. But then, do you think people that- see it as like from a lifestyle perspective? Because that's what I wonder, right? Like it's um, and that's where maybe I don't connect enough to the personal sacrifice. And I always think of like, yeah, oh, it's like a career. It's like, oh, this is fucking. I get to yeah. work out all the time. I get to train. I get to be focused. I get to do all of these sorts of things. And just like working in mines or other dangerous mm. jobs, there's a risk and reward associated with it. Yeah, I mean, I've got a young uh, a mate who, my age, a year above me, that's um, that served and he lost a few friends, like, you know, right next to him. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he was young and angry when he wanted to get into it. He wanted to fucking get over there and fight. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that that is a mindset that would serve you coping with it. Mm-hmm. Not to say it's the right mindset, but yeah. I could imagine that is uh, one that's quite consistent across... The board, young 20-year-olds that just want to get out there and fight or they just want to, you know, serve their country. I mean, it's also in the family thing. So, my, my, my grandfather served in World War Two, 
Um, but you hear back in the day, remember when people would fake their age mm-hmm. based on wanting in. to serve. Yeah. And so that was that's culturally a different mm-hmm. thing back then. I mean, you could look at it now. You could either say we're softer now because there's so many more people like you and I, Josh. That have iPads. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, all my fingers just been swiping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but then there's the other side of it that's people want to put their selves in the front line mm-hmm. to protect the country. I mean, patriotism in this country isn't as isn't as prominent as the US. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like there's you know people wanting to sort of protect the US more than this country. Would you say? Yeah, you think yeah. so. I mean, yeah, just definitely. Um, it, we yeah, haven't grown it, up with it. So if anything, now it's like patriotism for, for Australia is seen as regressive or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's seen. It's seen as like, um, what is it? Like not open-minded potentially, or yeah. It's it's interesting. Mm. Regressive is like yeah, an interesting way of describing it because like what's well, because yeah, there okay. are there are a bunch of. Yeah, I mean, that's how it's sorted. Like, it feels like it can be a bit... There's a bit of dogma to it, maybe. So, it's like mm. you only see these things a certain way. And so, your um, your life and your experience and your worldview is coloured by patriotism or nationalism or these types of things, which then how can you have empathy for, say, you know, the stuff that's... Like, with Mexico, like, it makes a lot of sense to build a wall when you are thinking that you're number one and, like, you need to mm. protect it at any cost. Mm. Keep out. Yeah. Um, it's, in, uh, in something a little bit uh, more absurd, did you hear the um, – <laughs> was described as appalling Melbourne person fined after driving 320 kilometres for a Big Mac? <laughs> Do you reckon they legit got pulled over and said, I'm just on my way to Macca's in fucking Wodonga or wherever it was, Wangaratta. I- I feel like this is a great marketing ploy. I'm not saying that um, McDonald's. Um, you can't hypothesize about. You can't hypothesize with anything because everything everyone takes everything literally. But the um, I'm not saying McDonald's did that. But imagine like a Red Rooster. Maybe Red Rooster could potentially set up a situation where they get someone to travel very far. So, for instance, it could be going to, or like maybe there's, for instance, what about um, what about Rami? What's Rami's um restaurant called? Oh, 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 oh! I've gone blank. We had Rami on the show. Uh, it was called. It still is called. I'm just trying to have a look. Rache's. Rishay's. Rishay's, yeah. So I reckon Rami, for instance, being a restaurant owner, like what yeah. about he gets someone like us to go to the border of New South Wales and say that we're just really craving Rishay's. Rishay's, which is only in New South Wales. Yes. Up in, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I mean, mean it's this a good is, marketing technique. Yeah. I guess you... So you, you, what's the extent of the fine? It's a, it's a ten thousand dollar fine, or low end, sixteen fifty, or they tell you to turn around and go home. Right now, it'd be up the ten thousand area. Like they, mm. they, they're over stupid gronks. I mean, this is the thing. The trader, so people who streak, or say Vitali, who, who is a YouTuber, mm-hmm. he actually went to Brazil to the World Cup. He paid for a ticket. And he streaked, 
ran out on the field because he knew the clout and the fame that would come out of that. But I mean, that's it. That's going, okay, I'm up for a fine mm-hmm. and I'm probably making money from this video on YouTube. And so I'm going to wear the cost of it, which is, uh, I mean, a punt, but it's like, it's just a budget for a video, isn't it? <laughs> He's just set out the budget, flights, accommodation and fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the funny thing is that, so there'd be people slamming uh, this person and there's been, you know, the, um, I don't. I don't agree with what's happening at the moment with like I went on news.com.au and they had the two girls, the photos of them who went to Queensland or whatever. There is that sense of um, publicly sh- – like I think that we are promoting the uh, the publicly shaming of – public shaming of people as a mechanism to get people to do the right thing. Um, mm. But I just wonder whether it is – extremely destructive to just pu- like the pu- like if you think about like mental health i feel like there's this overarching mental health so there's like your individual yeah. mental health and then there's like the health of the public as a whole and i feel yeah. like some of these things that are happening right now the um yeah like the the anger and the like the the unwillingness i guess to understand is very strong at the moment because everyone's just seeing their personal situation and they're saying okay based on what i have what i've done what it like the sacrifices that i've made Mm. um you know they're judging people based on that where we're not really clear like we don't know everyone's circumstance Mm. um i mean shame is a powerful powerful emotion mm -hmm. and one that i don't think should be just thrown onto people or just used as some leverage against an individual i mean there's one thing, I mean, this is just moral. Mm-hmm. It's a moral dilemma. And, and watching Three Identical Strangers, I felt this torn moral, it was a moral dilemma. Is the perfect, perfect explanation of it. It's like, when you watch it, you'll know. But for even this, mm-hmm. it's like someone doing the wrong thing, clearly breaking the law when they knew it wasn't mm-hmm. sort of deceptive. And then the other side of like using them as the example, which is bringing a heap of shame to an individual. And we, and we don't want individual, like, I don't think as a society, it's like, what is a go-to? We don't mm-hmm. want people to just be walking around feeling shame all the time about do you think that that Do you think that there is shame is the thing? Like, I feel like the, um, the interactions that I've had with people uh, lately, there's been so much shame in everything whether it's like how mm. they're feeling or what they're projecting or it's like there's a there's a level of um maybe uh maybe everyone thinks that everyone should be holding everyone else to account with certain things or like there is this this uh external looking thing where it's like let's see what everyone else like because everyone's in their cocoon they're mm. then looking outwards and making judgment calls on everyone else yeah do you feel I mean, that? It, like, what do you yeah, think I mean, the tone? It, like, what is the tone? Right? Like, if you were to, it's very hard because we're in it. But what yeah. is what's the tone right now, specifically in Victoria? Do you think the tone of individuals across the board? Yeah. So I think it's like the public sentiment, t- public tone. But then look at it. <clears throat> like, what sort of I conversations? Think, what have you learnt from the conversations yeah. that you're having with people at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. Anger. Um, blame. Um, uh, un, un, out of control, 
mm-hmm. which I mean, I was just looking at what shame sort of shame associates with feelings of withdrawal motivations and feelings of distress, exposure, mistrust, powerlessness, worthlessness. Like powerlessness is one, mm-hmm. not that you like you could look at your day and having the power to make decisions on how to shape your day, and a lot of these. A lot of these powers have been taken away from us. We can't decide to go out after eight. And so, from conversations I've had, there's been anger, there's been all of these things. I mean, we spoke about it last week, which is funny because it's probably more relevant this week and controlling your controllables. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're really going to get a, a good understanding of that now because the benefit of the anger. Anger is so disempowering. It does. I don't think power is within anger, especially when you can't channel it to something. You know, you could say a fighter who channels his anger into the ring is when it really is put to good use. Mm-hmm. But it's still a powerful, highly emotive emotion. Like it's controlling. And so, if how can you drop back? That's where I'm. You know, that's where I. Yeah, I've had some conversations where people are very frustrated. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so and there's, there's and so there's that saying where it's like a misery loves company. Mm. Where does if you were to take that misery loves company and apply it to what's happening now, does it resonate, or do you think that there's um, there's something in that? Oh, I mean, if it's it's just if you've got something in common, in common could be that you are angry, and so mm. then two people that are angry about the situation. But do two people angry, like, because what I wonder is it's like two angry people, it doesn't like cancel it out and mean that it's happy. It just like doubles the anger, (laughs) doesn't it? No, I know. Yeah. I don't know if it leads anywhere Mm -hmm. or if it brings any, any solution to anything. And so. And so then like, I wonder the part of, for me, I'm like, uh, like no disrespect to, to anyone, but I don't know if I'm willing to enter in to it like I'm not I don't know like I think I'm past the stage of um uh entering into the anger because like I think that it's almost you feel like you need to so you hear you're hearing someone being distressed about something Mm. and you're trying to empathize or um trying to understand Mm. but then there's also the reality of like if you're not feeling that um how do you sort of protect where you're sitting emotionally mm. so that you don't enter into that world. Yeah, I mean, anger is a coping mechanism mm-hmm. that that is, you know, could be produced instantly as a response and you, ca- and you couldn't even catch it and you don't even realise it uh, and then you're just in the middle of it. Or it could be, like, I, I've had a lot of anger in my life, I think, when I was younger as a, as a coping mechanism. Um, but then, so if you have someone... Like I don't think I don't think you're I don't think you go you don't get anger in the traditional sense you blow up but I I, I don't think anger is your like a a coping me- mechanism of yours mm-hmm. and so well maybe what, I the think conversation that, between yeah. someone like you and someone who's angry mm-hmm. is not good for either parties yeah <laughs> the angry person isn't getting anything from you and they're still feeling that feeling and then you're feeling a different one and so yeah I mean this is think about that as a as a as a you know as a concept of two people with these kind of feelings in this time these there's going to be so many clashes and so mm-hmm. people are going to be walking out of their day thinking fuck i had the worst interaction with blah 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 
And so what about like if you didn't enter in? So what I'm like, I think that one thing that maybe a lot of people can relate to is it's like, have you had a conversation in the last week where a person came to you with a certain emotion, a certain feeling and you felt in that moment that it, you either needed to enter into it and you. Pro- I think that that's like the default is it's like mm. someone comes to you. So say if you're in a, in a car and someone like holds down their horn, that makes you, they, they've transferred a feeling that they have over to you and then you have some sort of response. You have it like an act, like if someone fucking holding their horn down, I can't help but have a feeling. And so yeah, yeah. how do we make, how do we have empathy for people? but also not allow their emotional um, situation sort of rub off onto us. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a level of awareness that is hard to, mm-hmm. to get to. Like, uh, because the, the, the emotion will arise... It will be the reaction. I think it's very far down the line where you've got to a point where you've removed a emotional response. Mm-hmm. But because I think we are going to have emotional responses. You, you fucking break something of your own, you know, drop a glass and it's going to smash and it will instantly give you a reaction. Mm-hmm. I don't think you get to a point where you're just like, it was what it was. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And so once it arises, it's what what you do with it because you don't need to enter into it so you could get you could blow up in the car mm-hmm. and then go okay there it is hello and so then is thanks is, for coming so is social media or those like every single post and every single caption whether it's good bad or indifferent it is someone projecting an emotional state so even if we do something like um the daily talk show how we're going we're celebrating we have transferred mm. our our happy emotion or our celebration onto everyone else. Mm. And so then if you think about like a feed, if you think about a news feed on social media, we are having the equivalent of like hundreds of cars tooting their horns and we're like reacting and responding. It's like when you have it, like you can only have, you know, one car in front of you in a lane, right? Or you can have, there's only like, you can't have that many cars around you that you can actually be taking control of or responsibility for Mm. from like how you're feeling whereas like Mm. this is like you're zoomed out and all of a sudden you are responsible or you feel the um the effect of every single one of these cars and every like what every single one of them's doing um oh yeah and so that's what i wonder with from a social media perspective um yeah i think there's like a there's a piece of work that i've done in starting to reset and identify. It's like the screen time stuff. I haven't worked mm. out exactly what it looks like yet, but it's like, man, there was... So when I um, like when, when I went away or whatever, when I was overseas for four months, I actually didn't talk to... Like it was just Bree and I, I was doing the show with you, but it's like you don't actually... Uh, you don't talk to that many people day to day. And then you come mm. back and not much has changed. And I think yeah. for me, it's like a... Um, there's definitely a simplification for my own mental health where it's like I think that potentially I think that you can feel responsible for if you follow a thousand people all of a sudden, like how many times do you like you've met someone, you follow them on Instagram 
and now all of a sudden you're entering into how they feel about how Dan Andrews is doing or how like what we should be doing. And so it's like, uh, for me, it's nothing personal, but I reckon I, I'm someone who is highly sensitive to, to that stuff. And I probably, yeah. And think about the, uh, operating system. Mm -hmm. So the normal operating system that is manifested based on what you've just said, all the input from every person, Mm -hmm. whether you're friends with them or not, your social media friends, that becomes a normal. And so it is a challenge to to pull yourself out of that because it is requiring a different... uh, uh, What you will know is it is a more positive approach, but the other one, positive or negative, a normal becomes a normal. And so (laughs) that stimulus and being fucking highly emotive and um, reactive to what people are saying in your ether Mm -hmm. is still just the way you've been operating. So it's like, it's so hard because you go one way hard and you're like, oh, fuck, getting out is hard as well Mm -hmm. to the other side. But it'll all still happen. There will be still moments. But if you can just fucking dial that noise down, it's so beneficial. Mm. Yeah, and I think that like you read as you read, um, like I've been reading some autobiography stuff and then I think about who I respect from like the craft or what they've done or what they've done for an industry Mm. or whatever it is. And um, they don't have the capacity to have that many things going on at once, like that many conversations. Um, And so, yeah, the reason I bring it up is I think there's just probably, there's probably a lot of people that feel the same where it's like, hang on, um, I'm going on social media and I'm consuming this stuff about, uh, you know, from someone who I haven't actually seen in person for eight years or um, every time I speak to this person, it makes me feel a certain way. And Mm. um, I think that this time can teach us that all of these things are optional. Like YOLO. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't, there's something so empowering about being like, like you don't need to enter into this stuff. Like you can, yeah. you don't have to have a strong opinion on everything. And if you don't have a strong opinion on everything, it's probably because you don't know everything. And it's, I think it becomes difficult for people who think they do know everything and they think that they could, you know, run the country better than, you know, any world leader. Um, yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's, an int- it's an interesting time, but I think that potentially that stuff, all of that noise... Um, yeah, I feel like maybe um, I wish I had uh, identified it earlier because I've definitely done it, right? Like I did the whole going off social media and things like that, but just identifying like, oh, what is it actually, what's that response doing? What is mm. the constant being accessible? Like um, mm. I like the idea of fucking being hard, yourself, to, hard to- There's an empathy yeah, go on. access. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Like- like, do you think that you're accessible? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does accessible mean to you? Well, accessible to friends. I don't know. It's just I, I ignore some messages that I get sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not text messages usually. I feel sort of guilty about those, but messages in general coming through. But yeah, I don't know. I think we deal with the noise differently, for just mm-hmm. our own versions of it. Um the empathy for yourself, though, is to uh, to know that it does, like it is you. So you saying, "I I wish I knew this earlier." I you know, it's like 
it takes time for, to mm-hmm. learn something for to for the penny to drop. Light bulb moment it is it is it just has to be the way it is. I think, and it's the equivalent. I guess it's like um, using a metaphor. It's not too dissimilar to your, your phone, and you've got hundred apps open and you're wondering why is my battery running out why are all these things happening and then you're like oh fuck i've got every app on this phone open <laughs> and so you yeah. I, like i'm in the process right now of closing them all down to get to a point yeah. where it's like i actually don't want to be like and this comes out of like it doesn't have to be crazy at work it's like busyness like how much of this is how much of the stress, the busyness, the responding quickly, the being accessible, how much of it's actually moving the needle in a positive uh, direction yeah. for you in your life? Yeah. I mean, I think it's noisy, so it feels prog- like there's progress. But if you reassess what the progress is, mm-hmm. always on, always available. So if you, gave yourself the, if you gave yourself the job... So, for instance, like using like the car or road analogy, like the yeah. you see cars going past, there's an intersection, right? Um, there's not one point where I think that it's my response. If I see cars struggling, it's not like you go into the middle of the road and start directing traffic. But it feels like what can sometimes happen is it's like that's like a job that could be done. Yeah. And so, we're just entering – if we see a problem, we think, okay, we'll enter into it and solve it. And so – in some ways, I feel like I've just been direct, like I've entered up, ended up on a street corner or an intersection. It's like fucking Southeast Asia where there's just fucking someone there just yeah. like, and you know, fucking 100,000 uh, motorbikes and stuff. And it's just, it's realizing of like, oh, hang on. Like, I don't need to, this isn't my job. Um, yeah. And it's nothing personal. But I, the, the reason I bring it up is because I feel like I can't be alone and um, if you're feeling a certain way, if you're feeling like the weight's on your shoulders or you feel like people are asking too much of you or like there is the other option, which is just like, oh, I'm not, I'm not entering into it. And that's, yeah. and like, and there is something in self-preservation as, as a means to be generous. It's not about self-preservation to be selfish. It's about you're the best, you can be the best version of yourself if you can enable some sort of filter system that works for you yeah yeah i love it it's right. a good way to start your monday yep Take a chill uh anything else any other bits and pieces oh it's another lovely day in melbourne so mm-hmm. happy about that yeah, that's it about is. it great okay all right well uh enjoy the rest of your day we'll be um it's just gonna be you and i for the for the week we ended up uh yep. shifting a few guests because we feel during this time it's like uh, we went to two days, uh, two episodes a day last time. We're definitely not going to do that, but um, mm. yeah, we th- there's definitely something beneficial in us sussing this out. And as these big extreme yeah. things happen, aversions happening anywhere, you know, everywhere in the world right now. And so, hopefully, yeah. you can get yeah. something out of our chats. Things are changing. Lots of announcements in Victoria today. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, I like it. Yeah, look after yourself, everyone, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. See you guys.